WABC, and I'm Alex Alexanian of Dogs in Danger, and I'm here with my co-host. Brenda Bush. Good morning, New York. Good morning. And surrounding area. Um, last night, Brenda and I had the privilege of attending um, Rob Thomas's um, an affair where Rob Thomas performed um, for it Pets a, Alive. Yeah, it was a charity gala benefit uh, function for uh, Pets Alive. Uh, Our sanctuary. good friends at Pets Alive yeah, and great um, folks at Pets Alive. Carrie Claire. And um, and it was an amazing event. Absolutely. The turnout was wonderful. It was a great fundraising event for them. They have three facilities now. Well, about to build their third. Yeah. So they now have uh, the original sanctuary, Pets Alive Sanctuary mm-hmm. in Middletown. And they also uh, took over the former Elmsford Shelter. So now they have Pets Alive West mm-hmm. and uh, soon to be Puerto Rico. So we heard some great things that they're doing last night. It was just a really fun event. And uh, hopefully uh, it was a great fundraiser. And, and, and Rob did a tremendous did, set. Yeah, I mean, wow. he did a big, full, yeah. I'd say what an a hour. Treat. What a treat for that audience. Yeah. Yeah. And on a, on a fairly small audience of about 250 people. So you really got up there, you know, uptight and close. It and was his, quite His quite wonderful a wife was there. Very Marisol. intimate little venue. Yeah. Yeah. And you great know what? couple. Good people. Really good people. There's not many of them that are really mm-hmm. into the animal cause like Rob Thomas um, and his wife, of course, uh, Marisol. Uh, today's topic. So we're still recovering because it was a late night and a very early morning. So Yeah, we didn't sleep much, folks. <laughs> um, anyway, today's topic is temperament testing. And for those of you that don't know what that is, it's basically this test that they uh, almost all dogs that enter the shelter end up getting to decide if they're dangerous or not. And that has ramifications for the dog's life like you would not believe. Absolutely. And we have two phenomenal yeah. experts. They're going to talk about it. But before we get to that subject, which is temperament testing, let's talk about uh, last week's show for a second. Uh, Brenda, we did uh, our first investigative report expose of the New York City animal control system last year. And it was quite a show. And a lot of people tuned in for that show. A lot of people tuned in. And it was an amazing show because we had people that are current employees come on the air Disguised. and tell us of the of the disgust and the horrific situations in New York AC&C. Now, interestingly enough, came across the wires this week that the Department of Health, under which uh, New York AC operates, they report directly to the Department of Health of the city of New York, is proposing to increase the budget of the New York ACC by $837,000 sometime after July of this year, and they're proposing to increase the budget by $2.25 million more Next after two, right. July first, two 2012. And they are in desperate need of improved conditions and accountability in that shelter. But this is just, I mean, this is just one step. What they really, the, the, you know, of course they need the money, which is still woefully inadequate compared to other places around the country. New Yorkers uh, pay just a fraction to support their shelters of what they pay around the country. But the the most important thing is going to be um, getting the DOH to release their stranglehold oh. on the ACC oh. and, and make it an independent organization. Yeah, I mean, I'm, they're not proposing that, so let's not no, go there. But no. I hope that these increases in budget, if they become true, I hope that we had a small part um, in doing the expose last week, and maybe I'm sure that these decisions were already been made, but maybe we pushed the cart over the hill and made them decide to just pull the trigger on this thing. We hope that they had the, cut back so far basic, basic services they couldn't provide. They didn't have anyone to answer the phone. They cut their field services so they don't pick up stray animals anymore. Yeah, they weren't I mean, picking up stray so- animals anymore. So I mean, I mean, the chicanery and the lying in that place is just over the top. Okay, and it should so not be So money is going to help. Surely, surely they need money, but it is not the solution, and it's not even enough money. So, but Well, I mean, but it's, it's, a, it's a way to the end. I mean, it's a step in the right direction. All they were doing was just lie on top of lie on top. Of, they are still doing that. That's you know, they say right. their intake numbers were reduced by, you know, like 7,000 dogs this year. You know why they were reduced? Because they stopped picking up strays. That'll do it. That'll do it, you know. So it's just... It's just a house of lies. That's all you can say. You can you, you can really call it. And hopefully, we had a small and positive impact on the Department of Health uh, until they lose their their grip on New York AC and C, um, and concentrate on human health. And they leave the animals alone, which will be a good day for the animals. I'll tell you. Um, hopefully, these budget increases will be of of benefit. Um, today's subject again is temperament testing in shelters, and we're going to talk all about how that's a life or death. Yeah. That's a life or death decision. Absolutely. The issue is which dogs live and which dogs die. And there's a firestorm of controversy over these tests, how they're being used, whether they're valid. And we're going to talk about that. with Right. And if you listen to the show and if you stay in tune for the next uh, 50 minutes, you will learn a lot about temperament testing and you may get your temper up as well. So we'll be back with our first featured guest in one minute. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Alex. And Brenda. From the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour. 
with a special message for you, WABC listeners. Our charity, the Buddy Fund, has saved over 50,000 dogs from being killed, placing them in loving homes across the country. Through our program, Dogs in Danger, we give a voice to the voiceless and raise awareness about issues and indiscretions in the animal community that would otherwise go unnoticed. However, as a charity, we are dependent on donations from listeners like you to keep the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour alive on WABC Radio. We ask that you please look into your hearts, and if you support our cause and want to continue help us make a difference, please log on to dogsindanger.com and make a donation to the Buddy Fund. Any amount you can spare would go a long way in helping keep animals out of kill shelters and informative programming on the air. It's up to listeners like you to help make the difference in the life of a furry little friend. So please log on to dogsindanger.com and make a difference. Love wildlife, so do we. Come visit the Best Friends Animal Society website during Wildlife Week, June 6th through the 12th, to explore the wondrous world of wildlife rehabilitation. Best Friends Animal Society is working all around the country to help animals and to bring about a time when there are no more homeless pets. Plus, our very special pet sanctuary is unlike any other on Earth. It's something you have to experience to believe. So come visit us at bestfriends.org. That's bestfriends.org. And please be sure to join us for for Wildlife Week. Barkable Radio, the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour on 77 WABC. Here are your hosts, Alex and Brenda. We're back on the air on 77 WABC, the number one talk station in the nation. And today we're going to be talking about temperament testing for dogs. Um, let's just set the ground straight before we introduce Brian Gilcommons, our good friend. Um, Temperament testing is a test that's done to dogs to find out if they're good dogs or bad dogs, if they're dangerous or if they're not dangerous. And when a dog goes into a shelter, if he's going to die, if, if he's going to be put to death, there's two ways that he ends up at that door, okay? One, he's sick. And so they say, the dog is sick. Listen, he's not going to get adopted. Let's kill it. Or it's a bad dog, okay? It's well, a dangerous dog. Well, and the idea dog. behind that was that the sick dogs were truly sick, suffering, hopelessly, you know, unable to cure them, not treatable, That and that the, the behavior, the vicious dogs, right? So that's right. where it started. That's the concept of where right. it started. So the vicious right? and the sick, right. those are the two that are going to get it. And we are, we are and, concentrating, and we are concentrating on the vicious. How do you define vicious? How do you know the dog is vicious? And there are two tests that are applied usually, I mean, one or the other. There are two main testing methods. One is called the safer test. It's it's developed by someone called Dr. Emily Weiss, who I think works with the ASPCA. And the other one is this lady, Sue Sternberg's Asses a Pet Test? Assess a Pet. Oh, Assess a Pet. Well, I couldn't even figure that. Sound like asses to me. <laughs> uh, assess a Pet Test, Sue Sternberg's. And we, by the way, we invited Sue Sternberg. We didn't even get a response. So good luck, Sue. Anyway, let me introduce our first guest. Brian Kilcommons, who is a dog trainer, author of Child Proofing Your Dog, Tale from the Bark Side, Good Owners, and many, many other articles as well as, well as books, an intellectual in this category. Uh, Brian, good morning. Are you with us? Good morning, Alex. Good morning, Brenda. Good morning, Brian. How are you at this early morning hour? I'm well, thank you. He do- Brian does real well in the morning. He's yeah, but you you go. weren't at the furball last night, you know, and didn't <laughs> didn't party until midnight, and then have to show up here. <laughs> it was painful so, when the alarm uh, went off. An interesting term that you used, uh, Alex, is vicious. And uh, from my experience, and I've trained over thirty five thousand dogs, there are very few vicious dogs. They categorize them as aggressive. I, I I agree with you. When did this concept of temperament testing start out, Brian? Well, I think initially they wanted some type of screening. We had so many dogs coming into the system that they wanted some ways of moving the more adoptable dogs up to the front. Unfortunately, this has morphed into a uh, tool just to um, condemn dogs. How long ago was it when they first started figuring out that there can be a test or the first test appeared on the on the screen? Alex, as far as how long this thing ago, is, yeah. How long ago did these first? Yeah, did these tests? Probably, probably 15, 20 years ago. Okay. And what typically happens? But the thing is, is we don't have any science behind this. We don't have any proof that this is working, for one. And for two, when you look at the variables, they're huge. Not only how long are the dogs in the facility, who's doing the testing, what training have they had. There's no way of doing this on a fair basis for for the dogs. 
Well, why don't you why don't you walk us through it, Brian? Tell us what happens typically. I mean, typically, obviously, uh, in these tests, what 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 do they do? They walk into the room. There's a dog there, and then what happens? Well, then somebody evaluates the dog. Now, that could be a volunteer. It could be somebody with a high degree of experience to somebody with no experience. And, and what so they, exactly they, do they do? Is, I mean, in terms they of... interpret the dog's reactions uh, as far as being approached, being handled, being in some cases being hugged, which is mind-boggling to me. One of the tests, one, I, I, some of the exercises of these tests include... Um, you know, looking at the dog's teeth, pinching its toes, right? I mean, there's some some weird things as part of these tests. Well, if we did it to people, we'd be euthanizing a lot more people. Right. He just walked up to a strange dog. We're not going to advocate for that on today's show. Maybe another show. Uh, (laughs) I heard. heard. You know, what it comes down to, guys, from my experience, and I've worked in shelters all over the country, you know, we can go ra- around and around this bush as far as evaluation. Is it fair to the dogs? In my opinion, no. You know, what's the, what's the resolution here? What's the answer? And I've done this in numerous shelters. We need behavioral intervention. We need to get a group of trained volunteers that can go in there and help these dogs. And it's been my experience where many dogs that were slated to be euthanized with behavioral intervention where humans put their hands on these dogs and develop the first positive relationship they'll have probably ever experience, that will save many dogs and make them more adoptable. Well, do, you, do all shelters use these tests right now? Uh, <clears throat> many, yes. Many of them do, or a variation of. Don't forget, it's not just, you know, let's say with the safer test and the outlines for that test, some people don't like the test, so they'll just use parts of it. Right, so or do- they modify it to whatever they think is... Right. Now, the Animal Rescue League of Boston got a $3 million grant to develop temperament testing. And Dr. Amy Marder is working on a program to do that. In my opinion, at this point, I think their uh, efforts should be commended. I don't think, because of all the variables that that this encounters, that this is ever going to be a viable way of evaluating dogs. Well, you've already answered... um, one of the questions that we had here, which is, are these uh, tests scientifically proven to be reliable and valid? And in your opinion, no. Well, you know, when you, when you look at this, if you take any household pet, <clears throat> have somebody come in, snatch them, put them in a truck, drive them to a facility that there are all new sights, smells, sounds, it is an absolutely insane asylum with all the barking going on, and then strange people are coming up staring at it and trying to grab it and hug it, what would your dog do? I, I agree right, with you. Right. So, so, Brian, what you're saying is that not only do the current tests that most shelters use not work, but even making the efforts to develop a scientific one, even with a $3 million grant to do one, is basically a hopeless endeavor. Is that correct? I think that what we, the best we can expect out of this is a snapshot in time of who the dog is. And when you put the variables in there, we're getting just that, a snapshot in time, how that dog is reacting in that situation with that stimulation for that period of time. It doesn't necessarily make the dog more adoptable and or safer. And again, I'm going to come back to it again. The only way to address this, to give these animals a fair shake, is having people who, and I've trained hundreds of volunteers around the country, where they can go into the shelter, they can take a dog out, start communicating and teaching the dog, and give the dog a shot. Are there some dogs that are unadoptable? Absolutely. But a lot of shelters are using this now as an excuse to euthanize the dogs. Right. I mean, so if an th- animal failing the test usually gets the dog killed, correct or not? Right, because, it's, you know, it's, the thing is, instead of numbers in the, the cages being filled, and that being the reason for euthanasia. Now we have these evaluations being used as a reason for euthanizing these dogs. So, I mean, obviously, if, if you just have too many dogs and you have to kill them and you use your, you know, whatever luck, you know, luck at a draw or whatever, people will understand that. But, but in, in, and, and what maybe protest, but what you're saying is that by giving it a facade of legitimacy, in a sense, they're making people feel like, eh, hey, why well, he had to be killed. The dog had to be killed. Why he failed the safer test. So, in a sense, they're legitimizing killing the dog with these BS tests. 
Am I yes. putting words in yes. your mouth? Or? Yes, and, and what I contend is that the only way to really address this, most shelters cannot afford uh, putting on a behavioral staff. There are many people, and again, I have five different shelters, literally hundreds of volunteers, that have successfully gone through a six-weekend program. And at the end of that, they know how to read a dog, they know how to handle a dog, they know how to train the dog. And a lot of these so-called problem dogs wound up getting placed without being a problem. Also, Dr. Amy Martyr did a study on one of the main reasons these dogs are euthanized is food bowl aggression. Right. Well, she's, she was finding that there was no correlation between the food bowl aggression and then once the dog is placed Let, in the home. Let's explain to people that, that, that we have a very large audience, but it's a layman's audience, what food bowl uh, <laughs> aggression is. Can you define it for us exactly what it is so people can yeah, understand? You put a bowl of food on the floor and the dog's eating and you go to a, uh, approach the dog or handle the, the bowl or the dog and the dog will growl and or attempt to bite. And that's it. He dies. Yes. Oftentimes, that's a common reason. Right. right. So, what, I'm, and, what I'm saying is, you know, a lot of this is done by people with their doctorates, and they're saying that this is science. Well, where's the science of the efficacy of these evaluations? Do they really predict how the dog's going to be in its new home? And, and you know, a lot of people who have adopted dogs who have failed that part of the test have gone on to work with those dogs who no longer have that problem in their home. Hey, Brenda, it's not just adopted dogs. Mm-hmm. You right. know, if we took the this evaluation and did it with family pets, right. people would be appalled. Well, oh. I have two questions for you, Brian. The first one is, why are these sort of homemade recipe tests not illegal, legally, well, I mean, not to, I would, to apply? I, would, I wouldn't say they're homemade. I would say that these are well-intentioned people that try to get some type of evaluation going. But when you're trying to get, and I commend them for that, they're trying to help. You know, these aren't the bad guys, and initially this was something that was going to improve the situation of shelter dogs. I don't think they ever saw, foresaw this mm. uh, becoming uh, a means way to an of, end. Conde- uh, right, of condemning dogs. They were trying to go, okay, if we have to adopt dogs out, let's take the nice ones and adopt them out. Right. The thing is, is the basis for this, uh, it, again, the variables are just so wide, it makes it really, really difficult. Right. So why are there? Why don't we have national standards for this? I mean, why is it left to, you said to me that, okay, the safer test, and some people apply one piece of it, some people apply another piece of it, some people modify it. Why isn't there a national standard that says, you know, this is the test, this is the scoring mechanism, and this, you know, and these are the numbers, and, you know, like we have in, you know, in, in SATs, you have a national test, and you, you have numbers, and you can compare this kid to that kid's. Alex, interesting point, but you can have any standard that you want. It doesn't mean people are going to be trained to meet those standards. Yeah, but in the case... It's like saying we have national, you know, we have a national standard for car safety, right? People have to go through some type of evaluation in order to get a driver's license. Right, so you're saying the evaluators... They have to master certain information and skills. Right. What we have now are these so-called standards, and there's no evaluation of people being able to master these skills. Listen, you get three people in the room looking at one dog. Three people are going to see three different things. I, I completely agree with you. Um, we have Michael from Oyster Bay, and he he would like to chime in on this thing because he feels that the test is used to decrease the number of dogs that are sheltered. Uh, Michael, are you on the phone with us? Yeah, hi. I, I'm listening to your show. I like your show. Thank you. I, I just think these tests are developed sort of just... To sort of rationalize how they can just decrease the number of dogs. I, I think most people would know that around dogs that they're not accurate, and it's just a way to rationalize it so that you can just decrease your numbers without um, you know having some kind of a science, some pseudo scientific test. Um, and, and I don't know if, if it's if they're bad, you know, well intentioned or not. I just think it was a way to develop a system where you could just decrease your numbers and not, and, and sort of not feel bad about it. What do you think, Brian? Um, is Michael correct? I mean, you said that they started as good intentioned. Have they basically, at this point, lost all credibility? Uh, well, you know, again, if they're going to be holding up the science on this, where's the science as far as uh, evaluating the efficacy of these tests? I think, yes, in some ways, it's a reason. And also, everyone's screwing with the numbers here, guys. You know, when they say how much, uh, what they're adopting out and uh, how they post those numbers, if people want a really good baseline on evaluating this, look at the Longmont Humane Society. There's a trainer up there named Amy Sadler. 
She has a large behavior uh, volunteer force that they've developed. Their live release rate, and that's what you want to look at, the live release rate is almost 96%. They're taking in other dogs from sh other shelters due to aggression problems that these dogs would normally be euthanized. They're rehabbing them, and they're placing them in homes, and they're staying in homes. That's what we need to look at. We can get caught up in the argument as far as the evaluation of these animals, or we can get to the business of caring and helping these animals and making right. them adoptable. That's not going to happen by testing them. It can happen by training them. But, Brian, to get there, don't we first have to debunk this test that seems to have now become front and center? Don't we have to get rid of this so we can replace it with what you're suggesting? No. So I the two they, can coexist? They can, they can go hand in hand. One of the standards that I, I established, which was the Turkin Foundation, is when do people were working with the shelter dogs, and you could never tell with some of these dogs if they were going to become aggressive. Most of the dogs took to the training beautifully, but there would be some dogs that would show signs of aggression. The dog was pulled from the program, and then it was evaluated by a professional. So um, to give the dog another chance. So what I hear you saying is that they do have some predictive value in terms of how to place a dog, how to rehabilitate a dog, but not as a means for pass-fail to live or die. Right. That predictive value, again, it's a snapshot in time. When you look at all the variables as far as stressing the dog, how long has the dog been in the shelter, most dogs take at minimally three days to adjust to a new environment, usually two weeks or more. Some of these dogs are getting tested as soon as they walk in the door. Oh, absolutely. Right away. Right away. Of the two tests, the major tests out there, which one do you like better? I mean, I know you don't like either one, but which one do you like better of the two? Uh, I, I'm going to, you know, again, I'm going to circle back, guys. It doesn't matter what I like or what I don't like. What matters is the people giving the tests. What are they, what's their experience? Mm. You cannot take an untrained person, yeah. give them a sheet going, read this, Right. And now I want you to evaluate the dog. Yeah, I, I, I completely see the picture. I mean, these, um, these volunteers are, are mo in most cases, it's the volunteers that are doing the testing, correct? No. These no. volunteers and these employees are doing the best they can in a very difficult situation. The thing is, is that, you know, whether we like it or not, what the truth is, is we need more hands-on in the shelters they don't have the money to do it, so that means a volunteer force. Mm -hmm. If you really want to make some headway with this, I would suggest that we do open a national training center for volunteer coordinators. Mm -hmm. Excellent idea. Excellent idea. And you they would get a flood of people right You know what right else, away. Brian, I would, I would really like? I'd like a, a, a healthy dose of truth, okay? There's not much truth in the animal world. And transparency. Yeah, we and love, transparency. We love that word. You know what? Michael just called up and he said, and he's out there. I don't think he's an expert. What did he say? He said, I think that they just used the test to increase, you know, to, to find an excuse to kill the dog. Right. You know what? You don't need a test excuse. Tell the truth. The truth is that there are too many dogs in the shelter and there's not enough space. You don't need some BS test and, and, and some academization of this thing, which is not true. But it makes yeah, them, but, uh, it makes the shelters minute, guys, feel there better. Some other, there are some other points here that are critical points. You know, when people come into a shelter to adopt, they would like some indication on whether that dog's going to be safe. So as far as that, and the other thing that's happening more and more is the question of liability. You know, if people go in and they, you know, they adopt a biting dog, they can come back at the shelter. And I think that liability factor is also adding a tremendous amount of pressure on using some type of evaluation and not taking any chances. Yeah, but it's false evaluation. You know, what's the what's the value of validity of false evaluation? As you just well, said, the people that are applying it can can vary the results uh, from one to one hundred. Right, but uh, on the other hand, as far as it's, it's some type of evaluation that they can then promote, as far as within the community. So, would it be better to have no evaluation? You know? I think so. I think I think it's better to have uh, no evaluation because a vacuum will then a vacuum will propose new challenges. What what's happening now is that everybody's sitting back and said, "Oh, we've got these two tests and they're doing a fine job." I think it needs and to be just one piece of it. So if you have contradicting information and a dog fails a particular point of one of these tests, 
and a volunteer comes in, you know, the dog's judged to be antisocial. And every every person that comes in contact with this dog sees otherwise. That has to be taken into consideration. You can't just take the, the test for what it is and be killing animals without factoring. It's just one little piece. So I think they should keep doing it. But it's well, one small piece. Have, have you spoken to Dr. Emily Weiss or Dr. Amy Martyr or Sue Sternberg? Uh, we have not. We did try to contact them, and they did not call us back. So, for whatever that means, Brian. Well, we invited Sue Sternberg. Yes, we invited Sue Sternberg. We did not get a call back. So, Brian, we're out of time. I have to cut the commercial. The engineers are looking at us uh, with uh, nasty looks. So, Brian, thank you very much for joining us again. We'll have you on. Thank you very much, as usual. My pleasure, guys. Hey, Brenda. What's the best way for the good folks out there to help their furry friends? Well, they can buy our Dogs in Danger branded T-shirts, mouse pads, and postage stamps. And you know those stamps are real U.S. postal stamps, so you can use them every day. Just think, someone else finding out about this cause each time you send a letter. So please go to dogsindanger.com and buy from our selection of logoed products. Remember, each purchase helps us save a life. That's dogsindanger.com. Pets bring unconditional love into our lives every day. That's just one reason Best Friends Animal Society believes that every pet deserves a loving home. Best Friends runs the nation's largest sanctuary for homeless animals, but they do so much more. From helping community cats and delivering animals from overcrowded shelters and puppy mills to brand new lives, Best Friends and their members are saving animals from coast to coast every day. They're working with you and with humane groups all across the country to bring about a time when there are no more homeless pets. Join them. Becoming a Best Friends member is easy. Just visit them online at bestfriends.org and make a donation of any amount. With a gift of $25 or more, you'll receive a subscription to Best Friends Magazine. Your contribution to Best Friends Animal Society will support their life-saving work and help animals both at the sanctuary and around the country. Together, we can bring about a time when there are no more homeless pets. To learn more and become a member today, visit bestfriends.org. It's Alex. And Brenda from the Dogs in Danger radio show. Do you love dogs as much as we do? Then we hope you'll join Sean Hannity and other dog lovers for 77 WABC's Bark in the Park on Saturday, June 25th. It's at the Planting Fields on Long Island. A free four-legged festival with doggy demonstrations, products, a dog owner, look-alike contest, and much more. Maybe even adopt a new best friend. It's Bark in the Park with Sean Hannity, June 25th on Long Island. Details? at wabcradio.com slash bark. Throw your dog a bone. Let him listen to the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour on 77 WABC. Back to Alex and Brenda. Wow, talk about a life and death uh, question. We're talking about temperament testing of dogs in the nation's shelters. And I want to introduce our next guest. Um, I am proud to call this, this gentleman a friend, an intellectual. Not, I'm not going to say a fellow intellectual. Um, I'll let you say that, Brenda. Uh, I'm going to say a great intellectual, uh, Francis Batista, a founder of one of the founders of Best Friends Society, Animal Society. Uh, Francis, are you with us this morning? Hi there, Alex. How are you? I'm terrific. How are you? Very good. How's the connection here? Uh, connection okay. sounds okay. You're on a cell phone, I think, right? Yeah, I am. Sounds okay. We'll Not manage. too much background. We'll, we'll do fine. I think the engineers will boost up your volume. I don't know. Did you hear the rest of the discussion that we in the first half hour of the discussion with Brian Kilcommons? No, I didn't. Uh, it was a fascinating discussion. Obviously, the temperament testing is a, is a hot subject. Let me ask you this, Francis: Are friendly dogs being wrongly killed today in the nation's shelters because of these tests? Well, sure. I mean, it's uh, impossible to give a, a reasonable test in a shelter environment, and uh, you know, even the best people with the best intentions. Uh, are unable to really uh, determine the, the actual nature of the, the the dog and how it's going to, or predict how it's going to do outside of that shelter environment uh, with a with a great deal of accuracy. So uh, you know, even people who are looking for uh, to a reason to save that dog are not going to be able to give a get a very good read on it. Mm-hmm. I was talking to someone last night who's. Uh, works with a very, very high-volume adoption organization. Uh, they will do 500 ado- 5,000 adoptions a year. Wow. Uh, and they're, uh, you know, they go in to choose <clears throat> to select dogs for their adoption programs. And they're selecting from the point of view of, okay, this dog has to come out of this shelter. 
It has to go be in a pen. It has to be in you know, the next pen for uh, adoption. It has to show, uh, be handled by the vet, be handled by the public, be out there and you know on the sidewalk. Uh, and they're looking for that dog to succeed, and they want to be able to, to determine that they're going to be able to do that. Now, they say, well, and even they're saying from the point of view, these guys are just great at adoptions and they want every reason to find that dog a home. And even they are saying, you know, we can't say with absolute certainty what we're doing. So we don't know, you know, they don't know that the dog that they leave behind is going to be a great pet, and they don't know that the dog that they're taking out is going to have a problem. But so they use the test. Do they use the test as, um, as one of the indications of whether they take a dog or not? Well, they, they have people who are, um, they customize their tests. They're very uh, generous with it. And they're not, they're not doing a pass-fail. They're just trying to figure out, is it going to work in our program? You know, is it going to work in the situations that we have to put it through? But they're not the people in the shelter who are making the life-and-death decisions. Um, they're trying to determine whether it's going to work in their particular adoption program. Right. I mean, they're using it to, to give them a, a guide on how to place the dog and how to rehabilitate the dog, not, uh, not, not whether or not to kill the dog. No, entirely. And... Uh, even from the point of view of <clears throat> the most generous assessment, they're not able to. You know, my point being is that the assessment is, uh, you know, is a tool, but it's, it should never be used for a life or death decision. You know, in your article, Francis, a dirty little secret, which um, I read, you say temperament testing sounds harmless enough, but it's a method that's being used to sanitize the troubling business of deciding who's adoptable and who isn't. What do you mean by that? Well. The the term adoptable is a very vague and fuzzy term, and uh, there are people in, in shelters in the country who will say that they have will adopt, you know, all the 100 percent of the adoptable dogs. Well, that really means nothing. And at the time, particularly when I wrote that article, the term, uh, you know, shelters were attempting to portray themselves as uh, friendly to the animals, no kill, whatever the term might be that you wanted to use. Uh, and so they would say that they're adopting 100% of adoptable dogs. Well, mm-hmm. you say at the time you wrote that, which was several years ago, but in reality, that's still what's happening, isn't it? Well, it is still. Uh, absolutely. It's, but the, it was the terminology of adoptable and the, 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 the calculations of no kill were slightly less uh, refined, and these days the terminology for no-kill sanctuary or no-kill uh, shelter really relate to how many animals. It's it's noses in, noses out. Well, Francis, um, New York New York City's animal control, which we did an expose of last week, um, shamefully declared last year that they had not killed a single, a single healthy adoptable dog. There was a PR release. Mayor Bloomberg came out and he said, it's a great time to be a dog in New York. And then you look at their website and you see that they killed 15,000 animals last year. What is going on? Well, all under the cloak of not healthy and not behaviorally sound enough to adopt out. So that's the cover of truth. Well, clearly that's the cover of truth. So what's really happened and and tell me if this is correct or not. They, this temperament testing has now become a tool for um, for shelters that are PR savvy uh, or PR sensitive, to be more um, more accurate. That they're using this test as a way of saying, "Well, we're not killing any dogs. We're only killing the dangerous dogs, the ones that are not." Adoptable. And what what you're saying is that this is not predictive of dangerous dog at all. Am I correct? Uh, well, exactly. There's. The shelter environment has got to be one of the most stressful environments for uh, any animal. And to pretend that you can accurately predict how this dog is going to behave outside of the, the shelter, for good or ill, some dogs test up, some dogs test down. Some dogs will, will submit in the shelter environment and be very compliant, uh, but out of the shelter environment will be entirely different. It's not uh, really a very good tool. It's a tool, but it can only really be used by someone who has the best interest of the animal at heart and in an environment where you can get a, a reasonable reading. Now, the 
to use that as a criteria for an up-down, pass-fail, life-death termination is not in any way fair to the animal. And when a shelter needs to fill a quota to kill, the point of the test given from that mindset is to find reasons for the animal to fail. Well, and know, in fact, New York we, City just raised the bar. So they made it even more difficult yeah, yeah, now yeah, yeah, for yeah. a dog to pass that test. And, you know, and I can't tell you how many times I hear people say, my personal dogs at home wouldn't even pass the test. Right. Irene from Forest Hills has a question for you, Francis. Irene, are you with us? Yes. Hi. Uh, you want to tell, ask Francis about the beagle that uh, you're talking about? I just wanted to make the comment that I think these tests are a little unfair because you, you don't know the circumstances the dog's been through before it gets to the shelter. I have a, a little beagle named uh, Becky Sue I got from Bobby and the Strays, and she was extremely aggressive. She was beaten. She had welts on her, and they took her in, and they, they were very honest with us. They told us that she was going to be very difficult. We've had her for a year and a half, and she was very bowl aggressive, very toy aggressive. She bit the guy that I live with, and now she just is in love with everybody and totally joyful. How did, how did, did, what, did what happened to, for the change? Excuse me? What happened for the change? What changed the beagle? Well, we just worked with her and worked with her, and the first day I had her, I went to pick up her empty bowl after I had fed her, and she went after me. I never saw anything like it. I mean, I never saw anything like it. So what I did is I just kept putting little bits of food in her bowl, and I took my hand with the food in it and put it in the bowl. In three days, she was letting me pick up and take food out of her bowl. It's a common, wow. a common exercise. Well, thank you for rescuing an animal, first of all. And I think wow. this really goes to the point of what we're all saying and what um, Francis Batista is saying, which is, you know, what you see in the shelter is not necessarily predictive of what will happen in the home once the dog gets settled in with some training, with some love and reassurance. And thank lots you. of these thank dogs you, Irene. change. Francis, thank you, Irene. Francis, do you, do you think that the test should be thrown out or do you think there is some value to the test right now still being applied? Well, it's not the, the the test that's the problem. I mean, the, there are there are tests and, and reasonable evaluations, and you know, Best Friends does evaluations. Uh, you know, the, the test is not the issue. The issue is what the, the mindset of the tester and what the determination, what you're going to do with the results of the test. Is it a test to give you an idea of what an animal needs work on or help with? Yeah, but Francis, now, I mean, as a it, determinant. As a determinant, the test as a determinant of life or death, specifically as a determinant of life and death in kill shelters, should that policy be, let's just say, for the sake of it, illegal? Would I use it? No. I don't have a... Alex, you tell me. We need to get these animals out of shelters. We need to, to not think is to, uh, or reasons to kill them, but how we're going to save them. Absolutely. How we're going to develop programs and work and public and promotions and activities that are going to both prevent animals from coming into the shelters and get them out of the shelters in one piece. Uh, whether if you have a situation where there, there are killing animals in shelters for whatever reason, for space, for behavior, for whatever, None of those reasons ultimately are any good. The work that needs to be done and, the, and the, the focus of the work for any shelter and the rescues is to increase adoptions and to reduce intake. So, no, is it to be illegal? Probably. But then where do you go if you're not, if you're not pushing adoptions, if you're not really reducing the intake and you're not pumping up adoptions, then you have what's your basis for weeding these things and weeding is a terrible they're going to be killing animals unless they're doing these things uh and if they're killing them for space or they're killing them for temperament or they're killing them for whatever reason they're killing them is not a good reason we need to get these animals out of the shelter and the conversations and discussions about what what is a good what's the best reason to kill an animal or the worst reason to kill an animal is my opinion is the wrong conversation i i totally agree with you totally and to get to the place you're talking about francis i love <clears throat> your word in your article sanitize I, I you know not legitimize but sanitize because what it kind of does is it puts the detergent the cloak of that you know all binding detergent right on this issue of who do we kill today 
Okay, we got to kill 20 dogs, okay? It's New York City shelter. I woke up this morning. You know what? I got to kill 20 dogs. Who do I kill today? Let me bring that detergent in and sanitize it. And what my point, and I completely agree with you, but we'll never get there as long as we come up with these sanitizing formulas like this. Uh, well, uh, and I agree with you. Well, we keep, the, they keep the, finding ways. They keep finding ways to delude the community into making it look like they're doing a better job than they really are. And that's the issue, and that's the problem, is, is, is transparency and openness and understanding that there is no good reason to be killing as many animals that are being killed. None. I mean, New York City should not be putting out a press release that not one single animal was killed. They should be putting a press release saying we had to kill 15,000 animals, and it was really tough for us to do that. And, and we adopt. don't want to do that. And public, please, scream at the mayor, scream at the Department of Health, scream at anybody, scream at Alex, but stop us from doing this job, which is a terrible job, instead of BSing us about the fact that, you know, we didn't kill a single animal. Uh, the, the ones we killed were either very sick, cancer, or Cujo. That's it. Right. And that's what they'd like the public to believe when, in reality, it was because the dog had a cough and a cold or because it jumped up on someone. I, I think that your word, sanitize, is so perfect and it fits the bill to, so, to such accuracy. Um, I, I mean, I, I think that – what do you think of this Sternberg test, for example? You've seen the test. Tell us about it. You, maybe you can, uh, you can tell the audience. Well, what. I mean, the Sternberg test is – uh, well, I think really the point is again the mindset that goes into that, uh, and Sternberg has said that most of the shelter animals in the Northeast should be killed. I mean, she's has said that in the past. Uh, the and Sternberg is the creator of the test. Let's be clear on this. One of the most yeah. common tests that's taught. Well, yeah, this called Assessipet. I think was her um, test. And it's a very uh, draconian, uh, unforgiving, unrealistic test that is essentially uh, let's abuse this animal and see how he behaves, and let's find a reason and to to uh, put him in the wrong column here. And, and let's let's repeat let's repeat what you said. Can you repeat one more time what Sue Sternberg has said? In the past, well, so I, I don't, I don't want to quote, you know, reel off a quote that's not entirely accurate. But what she has said was some enormous percentage of animals, in, shelter animals in the Northeast, um, should be put down that are they're not suitable for pets. Right. She was looking uh, to weed out the gems. And, and I'm not, right. I, I'm paraphrasing. I'm not quoting. I don't have the quote in front of me, but sure. it's you know, it's well known. Her well-known opinion. The- I, I, I saw I saw the test being applied. Um, I'm not in the front ranks. I'm here behind the microphone. I saw the test being applied on an HBO special I am, uh, several years ago. I'm sure you probably saw it as well. And sure. I was absolutely aghast, absolutely shocked at what they were doing to the dog. And then they killed the dog. I mean, the co- the dog that was in the show. That's right. They sat around a table, these three women... And they said, oh, you know what? We stuck a stick with a hand on it while the dog was eating. We stuck it into his face, and the dog growled. Over That's and over it. and over Killed and Killed the dog. Again, right? and, and they didn't do well, it once. They did it ten times because the dog didn't growl the first few times. So they kept coming in tighter and more and more into his nose. If they did that to me, I would have punched you. <laughs> well, I believe also, as I, if I recall, that that's the, the same uh, show that we're talking about. That um, I think she took the dog for a hamburger or something at the end. I think of it. it was feeding ice cream. the dog by yeah, hand. Right. Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, right. Exactly. She so was feeding the, the feeding dog the by dog. hand. Right. Uh, <laughs> this was the dog that was food aggressive uh, in that environment, but then, as a kind of a gesture of some perverse kindness, was feeding the dog a hamburger by hand quite safely. And that hand. So, and, and by the way, that hamburger was supposed to be the dog's last meal. That's why right. the dog was getting the hamburger. Let's get that yeah. straight, okay? Yeah. So she was feeding the hamburger as a last meal to a dog that supposedly was uh, was killed, not supposedly, was killed supposedly for being food aggressive. Yeah. This was an HBO special. I'm sure the footage exists. Um, this and, is insanity, you know, folks. Food aggression, 
food aggression, bowl aggression in shelters is not is not accurate. It just isn't. And, and again, there are dogs that are that are genuinely food aggressive and bowl aggressive. They have guarding issues, and they might not show it in a shelter environment. The shelter environment distorts so many of uh, an animal's, so much of an animal's behavior. It's a completely unnatural uh, and, environment. You know, I was talking with someone uh, again uh, that you know, all virtually all the chihuahuas in the shelter were failing these tests because chihuahuas are small and tend to be, you know, protective and frightened and timid, and they're in this crazy environment. Uh, and so they're regarded as they back off, they, don't, they, they will bark or whatever it might be, and they're regarded as automatically aggressive. And this individual who, who works with this rescue um, developed this m- technique of, you know, getting oven mitts or a towel or something and just holding the dog holding the dog close to her chest until the dog relaxed, let out it just let the tension out of its body and licked its lips. Then she would put the dog down and not just and go away. Not talk to the dog. Come back the next day and the dog was over the moon to see her. Right. Uh, doesn't take much, it eh? had, mm-hmm. this doesn't was take the much person that had given it that little bit of security that allowed it to relax. And the and that technique for uh, evaluating these small dogs who are terrified in the shelters has saved thousands of lives because previously they were just they were back in a corner they were barking or frightened or running away uh, sensibly uh, and just this person having the the insight to be able to hold this animal until it had relaxed and gotten that fear and tension out of its body and bond made a little gesture of bonding, uh, that life was saved. And that's not the way these tests are done. The tests are done in an environment where uh, this animal has no idea what's going on. It's got to be terrified, uh, totally confusing. And then you have someone poking sticks and right. pinching toes and, uh, you know, wrapping your arm around the, the dog, embracing it fully, wrapped your arm around the body in a kind of a dominant posture. All of those things are very, very frightening and, and off-putting. And the thing is that the scoring on it, you know, if the do- dog looks uh, away, if the dog, you know, tries to escape from this hole, if the dog reacts to being pinched, all of those things are fail grade. And he's dead. And he's dead. In, in some Francis, uh, we're running out of time. Francis. Francis, you're a great intellectual. I really wanted to ask your opinion of... How do we get out of this huge mess that we're in with this sanitization that you speak of so eloquently? Unfortunately, the clock is running against me, and we have to cut off to break and then close the show before they shut us down. So thank you very much for getting up early in the morning. I know you're in Texas today, and so you're another hour behind us. So thank you for joining us, and hopefully we'll have you on again, Francis. We appreciate your comments. Thank you, Francis. Well, thank you. Great work. Take care. Thanks again. Hi. This is Alex and Brenda from the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour with a special message for you, WABC listeners. Our charity, the Buddy Fund, has saved over 50,000 dogs from being killed, placing them in loving homes across the country. Through our program, Dogs in Danger, we give a voice to the voiceless and raise awareness about issues and indiscretions in the animal community that would otherwise go unnoticed. However, as a charity, we are dependent on donations from listeners like you to keep the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour alive on WABC Radio. We ask that you please look into your hearts, and if you support our cause and want to continue help us make a difference, please log on to dogsindanger.com and make a donation to the Buddy Fund. Any amount you can spare would go a long way in helping keep animals out of kill shelters and informative programming on the air. It's up to listeners like you to help make the difference in the life of a furry little friend. So please log on to dogsindanger.com and make a difference. Love wildlife, so do we. Come visit the Best Friends Animal Society website during Wildlife Week, June 6th through the 12th, to explore the wondrous world of wildlife rehabilitation. Best Friends Animal Society is working all around the country to help animals and to bring about a time when there are no more homeless pets. Plus, our very special pet sanctuary is unlike any other on Earth. It's something you have to experience to believe. So come visit us at bestfriends.org. That's bestfriends.org. And please be sure to join us for... Wildlife Week. The Dogs in Danger Radio Hour. Honest talk, even when it bites, on 77 WABC. Here are your hosts, Alex and Brenda. Wow, what a life and death discussion that we've been having, and the hour just flew by. 
Uh, Sean has been holding on the phone from Suffern, New York, a uh, dog trainer that wanted to tell us about a dog's ability to adjust to a new owner. But unfortunately, we will not have time. Thank you for calling in and hanging in there all this time, Sean. But maybe you can give us a call next week's show. We'd love to talk to well, you. And it's a really good point. And it's a really good point that he he brings up, uh, which is what we discussed uh, with both of our guests on today's show, which is it takes time for that bond and trust to develop with an animal. And until that happens... There are going to be certain undesirable things. And if you're going to use that shelter, very stressful shelter environment, as a predictor of what's going to happen in the home, you could be really wrong. And dogs are being killed for that every day. Absolutely. You know every what? Day. A baby takes a while to get used to, you know, you get used to the mother. I okay, mean, it's so. really, it's impossible to get that kind of judge of uh, evaluation of a dog in 24 hours in a stressful setting with someone the dog doesn't know and all kinds of Completely chaos unfair. Going on. It's That's all you so have to unfair. say. Totally, yeah, so completely, unfair. from top to bottom unfair and it's just excuses thank you Sean, for waiting uh brenda do you have, we have uh, a dog, dog of the day, day. we have a uh, dog of the day f- today is city of hartford animal shelter the dog is milky way and uh he is a pitbull mix he's a very handsome pitbull mix by the way and um let's see what it says about him awesome personality extremely friendly very goofy playful loves other dogs good on leash but can use some leash work would make a great hiking walking partner um, this dog is running out of time. Two days left. City of Hartford Animal Shelter in Connecticut. And we have the phone number posted on our website. I'll also give it to you now, 860-757-4395. And you can email us uh, if you need that contact information. Um, just one more example of the thousands of dogs across the country waiting every day for their lives to be saved. Please go to Dogs in Danger and save a life. Is Sean still on, uh, Mr. Engineer? See, uh, you know what? We've got less than a minute. Sean, are you with us? Hey, good morning. How are you? Hey, how are you, Sean? We we got less than a minute. Tell us about okay. this, about you as a professional dog trainer. Tell us your story quickly. Um, I work with a lot of uh, rehab dogs. I work with a lot of dogs that have just come out of shelter situations. And one of the problems I see is these dogs get their chance to go into a good home, and the owners have zero handling skills and zero education. And what winds up happening is some of these dogs that just make the temperament test, then after about a 90-day period, start to establish themselves in the house in a more dominant fashion, and a lot of the problems pop up and that you know we're trying to get rid of. Mm-hmm. So a better educated owner is definitely part of the whole problem. You mean um, with the temperament test... Um you mean the owner has well, some responsibility? Well, this is a good example of dogs that are passing the test and not showing signs of problems and then later and then getting into problems. their homes and showing yeah, signs of problems. If you don't establish a structure when they get in, they, they right. kind of say, nice house you have. Then all of a sudden they say, nice house I have. And before you know it, we have a dog that's really um, taking over the house and showing some stuff that they may not have shown when they're in a shelter. Well,